the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking Catholic. Uh, I think I'm just going to say hi to not only the diocese, but beyond, because I know we have so many more listeners and we are growing. I think we are now a national institution here, Mike. Congratulations. We are a national institution. Uh, For those of you who uh, have been listening on uh, your own versions of uh, podcast um, broadcasters, I can also say we're now officially on Spotify, too. I've uh, been on Spotify for the last few weeks, so I'm very happy with that partnership finally being uh, in concrete. Uh, the other thing we all should do before we get too far along, Marianella, is we should congratulate our fellow co-hosts, uh, Talking Saints, uh, our podcast, our monthly podcast that comes out, hosted by Lori Power and Pete Sanchez, uh, won second place, best podcast by the Catholic Media Association last week. Uh, it's their third straight year winning either a second or first place showing in best podcast. And uh, I have to give a little extra credit. Uh, the person who came in first was the Jesuits podcast hosted by Camden Diocese alum, Michael Jordan Lasky. So uh, I know. Isn't that great? Like we're kind of like we feel we're winning everywhere. <laughs> Congrats nice. to all our, our friends. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was good. And I should say that the, the uh, the communications department and the Catholic Star Herald also won a variety of awards as well from the Catholic Media Association, which uh, we certainly don't do it for the awards, but uh, it's always nice when our uh, brothers and sisters from the uh, journalists and, and communicators from around the country uh, recognize some of the good quality product that we put out here in South Jersey. So that was very, very you don't get a lot of pats on the back. That was a nice pat on the back to get. I <laughs> and I'm good. sure like if people would like to know what those awards were, like check out our websites and they're all sort of like yep. listed there. If you go to the catholicstarherald.org, you can see everything we want and you'll be able to uh, catch a link to the Catholic Media Association and see all the awards that were given out nationwide. It was a great experience. The um, Now, this conversation we're going to have right now is one I've been looking forward to because it means we're almost done with the school year. And if, as, uh, as we're recording this right now, my son is already counting down the days till Friday when he'll be free for, for the summertime, he thinks. Awesome. And I think these uh, people that we have on our show today are also award winners and nationally recognized at this point for the labor they've done for a whole year in Catholic education. And I think I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our uh, incredible guest today. What do you think, Mike? Yes, please go around the horn. So, sure. So we have with us today, Deacon Joe Raftery from St. Rose of Lima School in Haddonfield. Welcome, Deacon Joe. Hello everyone. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. We also have uh, accompanying Deacon Joe Raftery uh, from St. Rose of Lima School, the PTA president, uh, Mrs. Rachel Westner. Welcome. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you, Rachel. And uh, it's kind of like a podcast of four today, so wait for it. We also have Jennifer Snyder, who is the vice principal of uh, Walwood Catholic Academy. And uh, she is also with uh, another member of our PTA, um, Colleen White. Welcome both of you to our show. Hi. Hi, good morning. 
So we're recording this in, in the morning, um, as you may listen from our uh, you know, guests. But you can listen to this podcast at any time. And we're so excited uh, to have a conversation about Catholic schools and uh, the end of the year celebration. And uh, we are celebrating definitely our leaders, our schools, our students, our parents, and all uh, of the people involved in our Catholic education in South Jersey today, Mike. Yeah, it's true. Uh, like you said, it was an incredible experience over the last year. We've been uh, we've had a number of podcasts uh, over the last year where we've talked about even before we reopened, where we talked with um, um, your boss and my good friend, superintendent of schools, Dr. Bill Watson, uh, who came on and said how we were going to go from zero to 60 this year and be able to reopen when uh, the last three years of last school year or last three months of last school year, we the entire, uh, all 30 plus schools had to go full remote. Um, so Deacon Joe, I guess, you know, one of the questions I have for you, you know, you are, I, I should let everyone know that Deacon Joe and I go way back. He was my head football coach when I was, uh, back in, uh, back at Gloucester Catholic high school. And he was a close colleague of my mother who was the director of guidance there, uh, Joanne Walsh. So Deacon Joe, it's always good to see you, but I got to imagine, uh, life back in you know the mid 80s versus now has changed quite a bit in schooling did you ever think you'd be at a point where you'd have to figure out how to keep people socially distanced have kids wear masks and uh and have everyone follow the rules for nine straight months like this well if you remember back mike when the days that you had to walk between buildings when it was snow hail, <laughs> sleet all those different things uh but one of the things that uh you learn to be is adaptive uh, and, and process and look for help. Uh, realize that, you know, the greatest uh, accomplishment is not so much what you can complete, but as a team and as a family that you can complete. And uh, I think the, uh, the, the, even going back is the time it's starting out in education back in 1983. Um, I, I think the, the big thing here was again, uh, the answer of family and, and people willing to sacrifice and help out uh, to get the job done. Uh, as I said earlier, though, God has a tremendous sense of humor. And uh, when you think you might have it where the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and that agenda for the morning to start and you realize 15 minutes into it, it just blew up and you got to go do something else. But, uh, <laughs> but the, I think the greatest part that, you know, that we were able to do is to have that family philosophy that, you know, many hands make less work and, uh, and accomplishments are made not by yourself, by, by many others. And, you know, that's, that's a great point. And something in, in the, in all the podcasts that we've done over the past year, and actually all the written work that we've done, uh, we focus a lot on the administration. We haven't focused that much on the parents. And what we found is the, as, as we were preparing and as the school year progressed was that the parents ended up being, incredibly vital to this process. So let's talk to uh, your, your PTA head, uh, Rachel, and, and then ask you, you know, what was it like from the, the parent side trying to figure out how to make this happen? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think early on in, in this school year, every, it was a lot of unknowns. We, you know, we were just thrilled that the kids were going to be going to school five days a week. And I thought that was a, you know, tremendous effort that all these Catholic schools were able to, you know, pull together and, and make that happen for the students because, you know, any little bit of sense of normalcy for the kids, I think was so important. So that was great early on, but I, I 
think it was like a month by month thing. And, you know, we really just didn't know. And as the pandemic sort of wore on and things changed and, and, you know, cases escalated, um, the school still was able to run, you know, successfully and safely, which was, you know, the key piece. And I think the parents, um, you know, obviously the teachers and administration did, you know, went above and beyond this school year. I mean, I think they do that every year, but this school year more so than, than anything, but the parents, what was so nice is anytime there was a need and it could be, you know, it could be a dollar need, it could be volunteers, anything, you know, you just put that out there to the community and everybody, you know, jumped on it, which is, which says a lot about the parents and the families that, um, you know, they want the school to succeed as well. I think we saw that more this year than my 10 years um, with St. Rose. (laughs) Wow. Jennifer, I'm I'm curious, you know, uh, while Catholic Academy has had quite a run the last couple of years, um, you know, for full transparency, Wildwood Catholic Academy used to be Wildwood Catholic and Cape Trinity Catholic uh, Elementary School and High School, respectively, or other way around, actually. And um, the uh, the school decided to merge and did so successfully in uh, the year that the pandemic hit. And then you 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 make it through a very successful merger and then suddenly the world is turned upside down again. Um, for one thing, uh, congratulations on two counts. And two, how, how are you doing? How is the school doing? Uh, thank you very much. Um, the school is doing well. Um, it has, I can say for myself, this was my first year in administration. So I was a full-time teacher at Cape Trinity Catholic. So to change positions into administration and then be hit with COVID, I jokingly say on a regular basis, on a normal school year, this has got to be a breeze. This has got to be the easiest thing ever. Um, But no, we are definitely doing well. We are counting down the hours now, like you said, Michael, till the end of the school year. And I can honestly say the kids are so happy to have been here since September and to be with their friends and to be in a school. And I think we've all embraced this new entity that we are, Wildwood Catholic Academy. And I am so glad that we are here and that we are present in school. It has actually really been a great, great year. And um, uh, Colleen, I apologize, Colleen. Colleen, as we are, uh, well, I re- I, you know what it was? I renamed everybody's little little square and I realized that I flipped the two of you either side. I'm like, oh wait, I think I screwed something up. Uh, so Colleen, as a parent and as a member of the PTA, um, you know, obviously there was a lot of drama the last couple of years. And if there's one thing that's been truly remarkable is just how much the city of Wildwood and the parents in that region have really come together to, to ensure that that school remains in, on the island and in that area. Um, you know, what is it about um, Wildwood Catholic Academy now that really marshals such love from the parents? What I think... What isn't it about the school? I feel like this Good answer. Community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Colin. <laughs> um, I think, you know, when when school was slated to close back in uh, last spring, the community really rallied. Um, alumni really rallied, and the amount of money that was raised in such a short amount of time was nothing short of a miracle. And the school, the kids, the teachers, the staff, everybody embraced this change of, of really truly combining our efforts and becoming one. So you have the challenge of, you know, a budget, a school, 
that wants to stay open, the community wants it to stay open, you have the support, you achieve that challenge. And then here comes COVID. And what I think the community saw, what was interesting about Wildwood Catholic in comparison to the surrounding school communities was that not only did we embrace this change, but we were successful in achieving having our children in school five days a week. And the teachers did an incredible job to make our students feel that even though you were in an environment, I'll give an example for the kindergarten teacher. She, a lot of these kids were starting school for the first time and the first time five days a week. And while maybe they didn't know any different what the COVID protocols were, she made it feel like every desk was its own individual hot air balloon. So you had a desk with plexiglass surrounding it, a basket at the bottom, and above them was a big balloon. Um, and they just, they thrived. You know, my, my kindergartner got to go to school five days a week. My third grader was in school five days a week. My middle schooler was in school five days a week. And as a parent, you, you want nothing more than your kids to be happy and, and do their best and succeed. And, and we did everything we could to embrace these challenges and work through it. And, and here we are. Mm -hmm. It's really nothing short of a miracle that Wildwood Catholic Academy is here. Our enrollment's up. We had a new family come through yesterday because other parents and families are seeing, you know, we are small, but we're mighty. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I can say one thing. Michael, to echo on Colleen, we brought in a lot of new faces this year as well. Um, being the only school, I want to say, in the county that was going five days a week, um, other than the other Catholic school, we brought in a lot of kids from the, pub, the, the neighboring public schools. And in September, we needed that. We needed to hit enrollment numbers. We needed to make sure that we were a strong school in September. So we weren't faced what we, what we were faced with last year again. As we hit spring and we started to put out re-enrollment, what I loved is that the first people to send back those re-enrollments were those new families. Our old families knew we were gonna keep them anyway, but those new families committed again because they saw what Wildwood Catholic Academy is really about, along with all of the Catholic schools in the diocese. All you need to do is get them in the doors and then they are here for, they're here for good. So that I have to say is a, another great point to bringing in new families. As Colleen said, every time I do a tour, they know someone else. Oh, I know the white family. Oh, I know this family. So it really is, we just need to get them in the doors. And then as you know, Catholic school is really a great environment for all of the students. And, and like talking about that great environment, Mike um, and, and Jen, I think one of the things where like the, the parents have really uh, stepped up and like done a lot this year to make sure that that environment is protected, that that environment is sort of like uh, thriving and it's good and it feels good for the kids. Uh, the parents are really um, doing a good job and, and we're doing a good job this year to make that happen. And I would like to ask uh, Rachel, who's the president of the PTA at uh, St. Rose of Lima, like, what was it like for you to uh, sort of like put those events together to make sure that you were sort of like protecting the children 
family's health and the family's health, but at the same time, uh, maintaining the fun and, you know, the things that the kids like to do. Yeah, that was, you know, obviously a, a big challenge early on. And, you know, St. Rose has a ton of wonderful, you know, traditions and events that have gone on every year for as long as the school's been around, you know, almost 100 years now. Um, and our big event is our Christmas Bazaar, which is held every year um, at the beginning of November. And it's, our, it's also our largest fundraiser. It makes up about 75% of the assessment that the PTA um, is tasked with raising every year. So obviously we wanted it to be a success, but we also wanted to be able to have it, you know, be safe for the students as well as any visitors to it. So we actually transitioned it to a completely outside event, which is a risky thing in the beginning of November. But, um, you know, the chairs that run that event, we rented tents and we, we moved the whole thing outside and it ended up being a huge success. We, you know, got really blessed with a wonderful day. I think it was almost 70 degrees that day, which is not usual for early November. Um, so it was, a, you know, the weather was in our favor, but uh, That's it was a blessing. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we raised more money that this year than we did the previous year. Um, so and it was nice to be able to show some of our new families too. like this is what we're all about. Um, it really brings in the community, brings in the school families and, and it requires a ton, obviously, of volunteer work. So it was nice to be able to. Um, ha- be able to hold that event at the very start of the school year and sort of set the tone um, for the year. So, You know, I, I think it's possible we may get a little ahead of ourselves. For those people who are listening and don't know what schools had to do this year, Deacon Joe, what, what were some of the changes that occurred um, in the schools to make it possible to reopen? Uh, Mike, there's a great quote from uh, C.S. Lewis that I like to use as administrator, and it goes like this. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Um, So one of the things that was uh, an important focus was we didn't know all the answers. We didn't know the level or degree or breadth or length of how this thing was all going to roll out. So one of the things that was, I think, essential was a communication process that the diocese and the local teachers and the the administrators all got together and start talking. Okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to how are we going to put all these pieces of puzzles together? You know, it's funny is in a uh, in a puzzle box when you get it and you see all the pieces, there's no tape, scissors and glue inside the box. Uh, You can't cut the pieces the way you want to to make it look better, right? So when we started this process out, we knew that we had to adapt as we went along. Um, First of all, space, uh, configuring uh, places that were for athletics into lunchrooms, making the kids stationary in a room and not moving from one place to the next. As uh, Jen did, I... And Colleen explained about the kindergarten teacher. What a great thing. Each desk became its own environment. They had the sneeze guard. They had the shield. They had the mask. And the kids, they, they adapted to that. And they, they fell in line with that. And they understood that. You know, the hand sanitizer and moving back and forth. So I, I think the process was one of, you know, go a little bit. Is this working? Uh, make an adjustment changing it from this way to the next way to make sure the puzzle pieces went in, in play. 
Um, one of the things that Rachel uh, was great with, and also the PTA, uh, I had asked for the air conditioners for the classroom in the beginning of the uh, the summer, and they they rallied around it and gave us air conditioners in each room, which really really made it more comfortable for the the, the faculty and the teachers and the and the kids in the rooms. Um, so that was the adaptive process, and also. Um, I tell you, my Camden County Health Department were Herculean and, I, I, you know, the times you had a call and you would say, okay, Marianne, what do I do now? How do I handle this? What is the set of scenarios? It, it was like a big clue game because you didn't know who had to go home, who could stay, where they could go, and you had to put all that process in, and then – you had to handle it very diplomatically with people because they were very, very sensitive about you calling them and saying, I am sorry, but you're going to have to go home for a period of time. Uh, and then, uh, and what was really crazy and, and Jen will probably agree is every day that those parameters would change. You know, are we code yellow? Are we code orange? What code are we now? and how long somebody would have to go home and be back in school. So I think the key word that made us successful was the ability to adapt to the circumstances that we're in and to admit to people, I don't know the answer right now, but when I do, I will communicate that with you the best that I can. But I think that that adaption and a good communication process helped us at St. Rose and Haddon Heights to be very, very successful with that. Now, of course, uh, some people got upset, some people got annoyed, and you, sometimes you have to listen, you know, and, and, you know, okay, you can yell at me, thank you very much, I understand, but then you come back and try to explain to them the best way you can the set of circumstances we're in. So that's pretty much how that went out for us. I, I, that sounds it's a way, very... way to explain like the whole process, Mike. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Jen? I mean, uh, Deacon Joe mentioned your, you might've seen similar things. Did you see anything sort of different that you had to deal with as well, Jennifer? Absolutely. And I, I was funny. I was going to comment on Deacon Joe about there were times when you had to, you had to figure out and grab the seating charts, do your radius, who needs to stay home for what length of time. But what became interesting is when it was a good day and I just wanted to pop into the fourth grade classroom and see what they were doing in math class, everyone would freeze when you would enter the classroom and the teachers would get so nervous that I'd have to say, everything's fine. That is how I started almost every conversation. Everything's fine. I'm just curious. Everything's fine. If I had to call Colleen, everything's fine. We just wanted to thank you for the ice cream truck. It, it was a different year that because of the situation that we were in, the gigantic question mark that we lived our, our lives every day, it is. We were kind of on edge every moment. And it was those times when you sat back and got comfortable when sometimes a bomb would explode and we'd be back to sitting down, figuring out seating charts and who needs to quarantine. Um, I, I can say, yes, the look of the school was absolutely different. There are stickers 
on the floor, six feet apart. There are stickers in our cafeteria where you cannot sit. Um, the sneeze guards in the classrooms, the cases and cases of hand sanitizer <clears throat> and wipes. But beyond all of that, I wanna say that I think we have found some positive things with COVID. So in September, we talked about getting the kids outside. Uh, if you are having religion class, have it under the tree, sit outside, socially distance yourself and have a nice conversation. Um, go okay. for a walk around the block. We added extra gym classes because we brought our gym teacher on extra days in case we had to quarantine teachers. Um, we were so well prepared that for the worst case scenario that we actually ended up having a lot of help and a lot more resources than we thought we were ever going to have. And that is the one thing I've said throughout the year. Think about what has changed this year? What can you adapt and bring in to next year? Absolutely, go outside, have lunch outside. I think kindergarten had lunch outside all through the fall and even into early winter if it was nice, they loved it. I went into kindergarten in, I wanna say the end of April or beginning of May and they were like, can we eat outside? Can we eat outside? So I do think even in this crazy time, this pandemic that we lived through, there is some good that we're gonna take from it and continue year over year. Yeah. You know, so, from a, oh, go ahead. Conley was just saying that they love the extra gym. So gym was just once a week, but having those kids go outside and run around, they, they really did. It was something, it was a difference and got them out of the classroom. So I think it, it was something that we will keep and continue next year also. Yeah, I think definitely one of the things of uh, the, the positive ways of looking at the pandemic uh, in terms of like learning, like there's a lot of learning that went on in our schools in terms of like the technology use, in terms of even uh, teaching in different ways, like the teachers have to adapt uh, to kind of like socially distant teaching where like, you know, before there was like a lot of centers going on in, in our schools, especially for the early grades. And, uh, you know, the kids were sort of like touching each other and next to each other. And like, how can you still make the kids learn uh, while staying safe and healthy um, and, and making it fun for them? So that was kind of like one of the things that the teachers had to strategize around and uh, they did great. I think that I would love to hear the perspective perspective of any of you, either racial, racial or clean, uh, in terms of that, like, how do you feel your kids actually experience, uh, you know, learning during COVID? Uh, and, and how did you feel as, as a parent? Were you worried at all? Or like, how were you feeling in terms of what they were receiving in their Catholic school? Um, yeah, I mean, I can go first. Um, I would, I would say I was, you know, of course, nervous at the beginning um, of the school year on how things would go. But I, I have a ninth grader. Um, at Paula Six, and then I have a sixth grader um, at St. Rose, and I was nervous for both of them for different reasons. For my ninth grader, it was a whole new, you know, high school was a whole new transition for him, and going to a new school in the middle of a pandemic certainly presents its own challenges there, uh, but he, you know, quickly adapted and was able to uh, get involved in events and, and, you know, clubs and things like that so that he could meet people, because it, it was a challenge. Like he would say, everybody's wearing a mask, it's hard to it's hard to meet people when you can only be six feet away from them. They weren't allowed to eat, um, you know, at lunch, it was just with one other person. So those challenges were hard as a new student to a new school. 
to sort of work through. But the education piece was great. I mean, the teachers, um, you know, have been wonderful and all of that has gone, you know, really well. Same at St. Rose. I didn't have all the same concerns with my sixth grader because obviously he's been at St. Rose since kindergarten, uh, but he was transitioning to middle school and they're very used to having a locker and, and moving from class to class, which obviously didn't happen this year. But I think that was a blessing because they were focused in their classroom and the teachers, you know, were able to come to them, which was nice. And I, you know, I was worried about them having to wear the shields and the mask and all that. And it just was amazing to me how quickly all of the kids just adapt to that and get used to it. And it just becomes part of their norm. They're just so thrilled, you know, to be in school every day that they were probably willing to, you know, take any of the safety protocols and, and run with them. So I think it was uh, overall, um, you know, if, if you had asked me at the beginning of the year, if I thought it was going to be the successful, I, I would have told you you were crazy. But this year, I think, you know, I think um, Colleen might have said that or, or Jennifer, that the year was really a success. And I think I think it was. I think all these Catholic schools really uh, went above and beyond this year. And the students and their, you know, mental health and well-being show that, you know, that they finished the school year and had a wonderful experience and are, you know, looking forward to next year. Awesome. What about you, Colleen? I concur. I completely agree. I think um, when COVID first happened, my, our kids came home from school on a Friday, I believe it was Friday the 13th. I think it was Friday the 13th. Yep. Ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, and their, their book bags were so full. And at the time I had a fifth grader, a second grader and a preschooler. They came out of school with their little backpacks and they're hunched over and they had every book possible. And they were, and and this obviously was an anticipation of going online, but somehow the school, it wasn't necessarily seamless. We had our glitches with Zoom and, you know, I had to remember about the mute button because I was working from home (laughs) and with three different kids, different who had headphones, who was on mute, what was I using, you know, um, but to be able to come home from school and Friday and go remote was truly impressive. Everything was up on Google Classroom and they really didn't skip a beat. And then when you, you know, you move through the summer and you talk about what the protocol is going to be for the fall and really not knowing how COVID is going to affect kids in the pediatric population, you see what's going on with adults. But, you know, for, I think for a majority of people is more concerned of like, if my kid gets it, what if they give it to so-and-so teacher who's high risk or your parents, or your grandparents, or your administrators, and um, school was very open about you know knowing what they could do and not knowing, you know, like what Father Rafferty said, like not knowing, being honest and saying we don't know how this is going to happen, but we do know this and this is our plan. And I think what's really remarkable is that the kids were in school five days, and they wore their masks. And it, and it wasn't really a question. It was just, this is what you have to do. This is what we're doing for you to stay in school. And they wanted to be in school. Mm-hmm. And then to see some of the successes that these kids achieved from, from you know, my kindergartner being able to sound out words to full-blown reading. You know, my third grader picking up on her times tables where she had missed off last spring. The middle schooler to to get where he wanted to be on honor roll for the first time. And it, that was all achieved because of the teachers and their dedication and their due diligence and the kids being present. And we have high school kids graduating, going to Notre Dame and University of Pennsylvania, like incredible 
opportunities for these kids that the children, the students persevered, but the, it's really the teachers and the staff that made it happen. And we're just so incredibly thankful. So grateful. If, if I could jump on that real quick for a second, I think it's important to recognize that uh, Colleen and, and Rachel both said something that I think is very necessary, that the issue of our teachers, um, they were unbelievably uh, challenged. Uh, the, the, you know, the science of teaching is called pedagogy. And, you know, if, if you would have said, like Rachel said at the beginning of the year, open and sat down and said to everybody, well, let's talk about how we're going to make this work this year work. I didn't know what Zoom was. I didn't know what Google platform was. I didn't know. Here we are sitting right now talking on something that we probably would have never done. Um, but to see what the kids could do and connecting in and out of the, the classroom. And the funny parts, you know, as Colleen said, you know, parents had to realize that they couldn't speak the way they thought they could speak because you never know what you might say, who you're saying it to. Uh, but it, it was a miraculous kind of thing to see how we have come into that. And, and Marinella, you said that what are some of the things that we can hold on to? One is this virtual world. You know, it is an unbelievable ability to be able to connect now at home with different people and help them out academically. So uh, I just think that, that it just goes to say how important our teachers was and how great an effort they did in creating this new whole different type of environment for ourselves. And uh, they should be really congratulated for this unbelievable effort. I tell people when I go to a classroom, I wanna hear the sizzle and I want to smell the aroma of good education, right? And, and that's what makes people go back to a restaurant, right? Well, these guys are four-star restaurants, man. They really do academics that are unbelievable. And you, and you walk along and you see what they're doing. It was spectacular to see the great effort that they had done. Deacon Joe, now I'm hungry, I got to tell you. But uh, <laughs> But you're 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 absolutely right. And, you know, one of the things that there were so many elements of being able to pull this all together. And Deacon Joe, I really appreciate you commenting on the uh, the value that the county health departments had as well. I mean, that they were our lifeline as to figuring out what to do, when to do it, how to do it, how to communicate it, how not to communicate it from time to time. Um, it was amazing considering, I mean, there was no blueprint for this. There was no plan. We were all sort of muddling through and and I'm certain and and I have a question for for Rachel and Colleen specifically regarding this I know that there were some parents who were not particularly happy with how things progressed I'm, I'm curious as PTA members were you able to have any success at helping to educate your fellow parents as to why some of the decisions had to be made and some of the policies had to be followed yeah, I mean, I think that was a big piece of it. It, it was the communication piece. So, of, you know, of course, you're always going to have um, complaining parents. I think that's something that's not going to go away, probably. And, and I will say for the most part, I mean, the St. Rose parents are wonderful. And, you know, 90% of them, you know, have no issue and, you know, knew what we were trying to accomplish and knew what this, you know, all the effort that the school was going through to make sure that these kids could come every day and be safe. Um, 
But I, I think when there were when there were issues, it was usually around not having the full story. And that sort of then creates the drama or the gossip around, you know, what's happening and why, why can't I know? So I think a large part of it, and sometimes the complaints do sort of go to the PTA first before they go um, to the school. So the rest of the, you know, myself and the rest of the PTA, we would just try to at least um, stop the, you know, the gossip or the drama and just try to get some of the, whatever information we had and we could share, I think helped a lot when it was, it's the unknown, I think that sort of creates, can create panic and people want to know, you know, what's going on. So that helped a little bit. How about you, Colleen? I think uh, for us, we are a significantly, we're a very small community. So for us, it was more about, you know, in the beginning um, when, when, let's say if somebody did test positive and your student did have to quarantine, it was kind of like, do you know who it is? You know, <laughs> is it the teacher? Is it so-and-so? And it, it was really just kind of respecting, you know, people's privacy and, and just understanding that in order for this to be a successful school year, we are really truly all in this together. At any point, it could have been my child that had COVID, I had it, I gave it to my kids. So it became a very, um, an environment where everybody really respected that and really took to heart. If my, if I go here with my child, if I choose to travel and I come back and then they expose the school, the whole school that we worked so hard to keep open could shut down. So I think we, we came from a, a different place too, knowing just to really take care and take heart in what we did in our daily lives to protect that mm -hmm. and to keep this entity, you know, functioning and, and moving and, and going. But that's, that's great. I think uh, that's one of the uh, things we're really proud of in terms of uh, our Catholic schools in South Jersey is the commitment of our parent population and how they really changed a lot of, you know, their, their lifestyles uh, and, and, you know, who didn't during COVID, but I think there was that commitment of, you know, if you were able to take that family vacation and go on a boat by yourself and, you know, uh, sort of like not, not get sick, but still you didn't want to travel because you wanted to commit to the policy of the school and, you know, be an example for the other families. And I know uh, that was kind of like a big sacrifice, but it worked and it showed and it proved that uh, that was what we needed to do to make sure that our schools were open all year long all until, you know, the end of this week. So, um, and I would like to bring uh, on Jennifer Snyder uh, for a final comment because uh, she's busy in school, as you may hear some of the kids in their background. Uh, and, and my question for you before you, you leave us is, you know, you experienced COVID and you got trained as, you know, an administrator for Wildwood Catholic Academy in one of the most challenging years. Um, how do you feel now in terms of like preparedness for, for next year? Like how, um, I kind of like feel the principals this year feel that they could accomplish anything next year because we've lived through this experience. How do you feel, Jen, uh, for, for, the for the following academic year? I, well, it's interesting. I do joke. I often with our principal, Joe Cray, I say, well, this will be easy. More than that, I think what really we are going to benefit here at the school is that 
This new year, we also change administration. So we have Joe Cray, who is the principal of the entire school, pre-K to 12, and then two vice principals, myself and then Louise Forney. We were forced, because of COVID, to work extremely close with one another. And we became extremely close. I think we have a great bond and we have a team now. Whereas, I'm gonna be honest, I think outside of COVID, we would have gone our own ways. I would have worked in the lower division. Louise would have worked in the upper division. Joe would have kind of looked at everyone to make sure everything was happening. I think because we had to, we have daily meetings to talk about what we can do to improve the school. What are we doing right? What do we need to change? When we had to quarantine people, we did it as a team. So when we came to our families, it wasn't always from the principal, Joe Cray. I would communicate, Louise would communicate, Joe would communicate. And I think we were showing our community that we may all have different titles, but we really are one administrative team together. And I think that moving on to next year, I don't want to say it's going to be easy, but I think I have a leg up on it because I have a great mentor and teammates to work with. So I am... I don't want to say grateful for this past year, but I think a lot of, I think, I think there's some good that have come that has come out of it, especially for my position. And hopefully and you'll I be able to get a vacation this year. <laughs> I am. Well, I can honestly say also, we would sit on meetings with other principals twice a month. And that has been huge as well. So to sit and listen to Deacon Joe and the other principals, it was reassuring to say, okay, wow, this is happening elsewhere. It's not just here in Wildwood where I'm going crazy. And just to like bounce ideas and feedback off of other people in the diocese, that also has been huge to my first year as in administration. To collaborate. Absolutely, yes. Well, so we we definitely uh, appreciate your uh, sort of like commitment to coming in this year with kind of like your teaching experience and now translating all of those skills and becoming even more with you know your COVID training. <laughs> so uh, thanks. <laughs> very thankful for your presence in the diocese and especially in the community of Wildwood. And thank you so much for joining our show. The show hasn't ended yet, but it's almost um, coming to an end and we will continue the conversation with Rachel and Deacon Joe. Thank you for joining us, Jen and Colleen. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Happy summer. <laughs> you too. The, uh, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about the past and then sort of what we're doing in current times. And I have resisted the question of what is going, to, what's life going to look like in September? But the truth of the matter is you guys have already started thinking about how September is going to go with your limited information. Do you have an idea yet, Deacon Joe, like what some of the options are going to be for, for when you reopen uh, again in September? Um, again, I think that the uh, perspective of what knowledge we have, uh, I guess somewhere around mid-July, uh, will kind of illuminate um, what our next steps will be. It could be as uh, limitedly just wearing masks uh, inside the school continuing uh, due to the different variances that are going on and, and uh, the full uh, 
amount of people not getting the vaccine yet and, and the vaccines getting down to the younger children and how they're going to go through that. Um, so I think that will kind of dictate to us the di direction that we go into. It was funny, just the other day, um, the teachers asked me, well, what do we do with the sneeze guards? I said, well, don't throw them away. Let's pack them up somewhere and put them in a nice place so just that we can have them just in case. Because, uh, again, um, uh, it's almost, uh, uh, Mike, if you can think about it as an accordion, um, either it's going to be in tight or opened up, and we have to kind of adapt to what the virus is going to tell us and what direction that we're going into. And um, that is pretty much going to dictate to us uh, stage one, stage two, or stage three, what, what direction we go into. Do we, do we go all the way back to where we were the beginning of September of 2020? I don't think so. Um, I, I think that we will be right where we are right now. And what I, the pastor and I have talked about is I call it the thaw, the COVID thaw. Like we're, we're thawing out of this thing and we're starting to get some ability to maneuver, manipulate and do what we have to do. Uh, so, for instance, as Rachel had said earlier, move to class, having teachers be able to have use, use lockers, all those things. I think we will continue a high priority on sanitizing, wiping down the bathrooms twice a day, making sure the cafeteria is clean thoroughly, making sure the building is clean. Also, uh, being very um, uh, intense about who's sick. What, what's happening? Is there something happening in front of us to see that? So I think there's a ton of variables that are going to forecast uh, what we do. What we have to do is just be ready to whatever scenario happens, how do we adapt to it? And, you know, it's not like, you know, flu outbreaks haven't happened on a large scale in our schools over the years. I mean, it is the kind of thing that if uh, one of the schools in danger of shutting down for a short period of time because so many kids have the flu, you could bring out all those COVID uh, guidelines again and keep the school open or make sure that the disease doesn't transfer around. So there's always an opportunity for once again, as you've said repeatedly, you know, this is all knowledge that we now have at our disposal that we can utilize anytime in the future. Um, you know, Rachel, as a, as a PTA president, um, you know, are you looking forward to, you know, while the schools opened up to five day a week learning, uh, there have still been a lot of restrictions. A lot of the extracurricular stuff that the schools do has been curtailed this year, particularly at the elementary school level. Um, it, it, do you get the impression that some parents would like to see those things come back? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, that'll be a nice thing about next school year, seeing all the sports come back and, and all the extra activities that we would normally have with bowling club and things like that, that, that help, you know, the kids build friendships. I know this school year we were able to have track. It was um, almost like a virtual environment. So the kids would race within their own little group and then the scores would go to the other team. Um, so although it was not, you know, your normal typical track season, the kids were still able to have some sort of um, season. So that was nice, but you know, the, the winter sports and the fall sports, you know, couldn't happen. So I think parents will be thrilled um, if we're able to bring those types of things back for the kids. I know they, I know they miss it. 
Well, I know how, just how excited everybody was that graduations happened this year. That was one of the true yes. tra- tragedies of last year was uh, the, the lack of proper graduations as we know it. Um, and seeing every cap, I had the, I was blessed to go to three of the high school graduations this year and just to see everyone together and, and most, you know, quite a few people are maskless because they were done in the churches and we were allowed to come together and they were vaccinated mm-hmm. and the, the students look so happy. And, uh, has the, has your eighth grade graduated yet? They graduate tomorrow. Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> are they, so what are your what are your graduation plans for that class is it going to be done in the church is it going to be done outside we're going in the church uh it's going to be traditionally the same way we've always done now um with some of the restrictions of the church allowing to have more people in it and uh uh, i'm looking forward to trying to have what we call a normal uh traditional graduation so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun so uh I know our kids are looking for it. It is uh, our 100th year uh, graduation, so it's pretty significant for our kids uh, So and, and the parents. And um, so I think we're, we're all looking forward to uh, having a great send-off for you. Uh, awesome. That's wonderful. I don't know about you, Mike, but I feel like kind of like emotional about thinking the year's going to be over uh, this week. And uh it's kind of like like we did it kind of thing. Like you did it as a parent as well, like, you know, at St. Michael's. And I did it at Resurrection and, and uh, you've both done it there. And everybody around our schools I can say we did it. And I think it's a celebration, not only um, of the students, but also the parents. And uh, I just wanted to get a sense of both of you. How do you feel now to start this summer with kind of like a new hope. I feel like, you know, that there is hope for next year. So how do you feel? It feels amazing. I mean, I'm, you know, thrilled that we were able to be as successful as we were this school year for, you know, for all the schools. And I'm hopeful for next year will be even more, you know, more back to the sense of normalcy. Um, You know, I know both of my students that are in school are, you know, thought the year was wonderful and are very much looking forward to summer, but thrilled that um, that we were able to get this far in the school year. It was almost normal in some situations, so it was great. Yeah, you know, I think we might have given you done a disservice to you and um, and your counterpart at Wildwood Catholic Academy when we had you on, uh, Colleen. Um, is we didn't exactly explain what the PTA does. I'm going to tell you a little uh, one a little secret of me. I've been a parent now with a Catholic school kid for the last eight years, seven years, eight years, starting kindergarten. And, uh, you know, I've worked for the diocese for years and I was even a teacher for a short period of time. I have no idea what the PTA actually does. What does the PTA do, Rachel? So, uh, well, I can tell you what the PTA does at St. Rose and there's six of us on the executive board. And our main, you know, our main job is to help plan events and raise money for the school. So we throw huge, you know, huge events as big as the uh, Christmas Bazaar to small, um, you know, small activities for the kids, like game night and things like that, all to sort of help create uh, the community at St. Rose. And it's all volunteer based. So we, you know, are always looking for new people, new members um, on the board. This I'm finishing out my term. I, this is my third year and I'm now done um, on the PTI. So there'll be two new presidents next year. And really, we just, you know, we partner with, I partner with Deacon all the time on different events and things we can, new things we can bring to the school, how we can make events better. Um, You know, we're all about uh, supporting our teachers and 
recognizing them, uh, especially, you know, this year. So that's how it works at St. Rose. I don't know <laughs> if they're all exactly the same, but parent <laughs> volunteers running in the show. Well, you know, I, so Deacon Joe, I have to imagine that's a, a big help to the school to have parents in leadership positions like that supporting the school. It, it is huge. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, it's uh, a part of our faith is to, uh, back in the day, we said time, talent, and treasure. Uh, the PTA basically is that. They're there to help us to fabricate an environment where their children will be successful. And uh, at St. Rose, they do a, a, a Herculean job, as I said before, uh, of helping out in many different ways. Uh, there's not a time uh, that something doesn't happen, that they show up and, and they man up and they're here. Uh, even last night, we're here at 1030 at night, you know, closing down the place after the uh, uh, dinner dance for the eighth grade amidst the rain and thunder. Uh, I, I have parents out there uh, knocking stuff down to put where it needs to go. And, um, and one of the things that Rachel and I talked about is that one of the successful things that the PTA does here at St. Rose's they have co-presidents. And so that one president teaches the other president what they need to know for the following year. And then someone, uh, I want to say adapts or gets coaxed or pulled in or, you know, into that role. And, and, that, and again, you know, the old saying that a baker always leaves a little bit of, of the dough or, or, or the thing in, inside the batch. Well, if the PTA here does that, they do a great job of creating environments that uh, help us to run the place. And it's a financial commitment also. Uh, I, I forget the amount of money uh, that the PTA had to raise this year as a commitment and they met that goal. And it, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a great thing to see how we can make Catholic education affordable. And it's because of the PTA that we can do that. No, that's, that's wonderful. And you know, we were very happy to have everybody on, and you know, it, it was it's certainly a shame that uh, Colleen and Jennifer had to to, to get off there because uh, I would have loved to talk to them a little longer as well. But um, it really has been an amazing year. Um, I know it's not over yet, even if as we get to the close of the school year, it just means that the next chapter is beginning as we start to think about how we reopen again in September. And, and quite frankly, I hope you all get some time off because uh, I know the admin folks have basically been working for two years straight now uh, as you were getting your way through last year, then COVID hit, then figuring out how to reopen again in September. Um, at least now you have a, a blueprint to walk, uh, use as you uh, prepare for, for next year, depending on how things happen with the state. And, you know, we should let people know that, you know, it wasn't, you know, Catholic schools were able to reopen because they were able to commit to the state recommendations for how to reopen a school, uh, whereas other public schools weren't able to commit to that. And I think a lot of that credit goes to the discipline and the faith and the desire that exists in our schools. So uh, Rachel and Deacon Joe and certainly uh, Colleen and Jennifer, thank you all for joining us today. Uh, to our listeners, thanks again for listening in and we'll chat with you again next week. Thanks everybody. <laughs>